Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Chuck Lawless. And I'm Caleb Iverson. I want to welcome you and thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Dr. Lawless, I'm excited. Thanksgiving is coming up. And, you know, I'm just curious, uh, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Like, when you get the family together, what's the thing that you're going for first? Uh, Sweet potatoes. Okay. I, I love sweet potatoes with marshmallows, pecans, although I love sweet potatoes just as they are. We'll bake them, and I'll put cinnamon and... Uh, butter on them and have that for a meal. Okay, so you're like a sweet potato casserole. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. that's actually my favorite yeah. too. Believe Is it, it or really? Not. Yeah, I didn't know you were going to say that. So. Yep, yep, that's it. How about turkey? You eat turkey? Yes, we do turkey. Uh, my stepdad loves to cook, and okay. so we always like he's like a professional. You know, he he smokes the turkey, does all the things, and it's it's always really good. So, so do you do the white meat or the dark meat? Um, I think it's the white meat. I'm okay. not sure. Honestly, I don't buy the turkey. I just okay. show up to eat. So. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I I like dark meat. Okay. I, uh, white meat just, it, it feels so dry to me. Yeah. But the good thing I, I love, all the people that I hang out with at Thanksgiving like the white meat, so they leave all the dark meat okay. for me. Okay, yeah. So, you're so like... it's good. And I'll eat it for days. I'll actually fry it up uh, after Thanksgiving and have a have a turkey sandwich. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about Thanksgiving. I think the leftovers are better than the first time that you eat I, them. There's just too. something about it. I do, but. too. Will you be with family for Thanksgiving? Yeah, we'll be uh, with family. We'll be down in, in South Carolina to visit my stepdad, my, my mom, and uh, spend some time with them and their church. So. Okay, okay. We'll be with friends here in, in Wake Forest that we spent Thanksgiving with for a number of years. So looking forward to it. Yes, sir. All right, well, we're talking about Thanksgiving this week. And what I want to do, Caleb, is to is to help pastors and church leaders think this week about being grateful for the, the people of God, hmm. uh, to, to think about the very people that we get to shepherd. And I think about that as a, as a pastor. I think back to people in my, in my life who the world doesn't know. They didn't do anything special uh, necessarily, except that they just walked with God and were really, really important to, to my walk as a believer and my leadership as a pastor. And so I, I, want, I want pastors to express some real gratitude for, for church people this week. Mm. Yeah. And, and the way I want to do this is I, I want to do it in a little bit different way. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians. So I see you've got your Bible there. I've got my Bible here. I just want to walk through... Uh, something that just intrigues me about this book, and that's Paul's gratitude for the people and, and Paul's love for the people. So let, let's just look together. I'll just read some text and make some comments, and then we'll, we'll talk about why I think this, this matters. I'm looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, where Paul does what he often does, and he, he expresses gratitude for the people of God. He says, "'I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus.'" that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless in the the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. 
You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul says, I always thank my God for you because of the grace he's given you, because uh, you're enriched in him, because you're enriched in him in speech and knowledge and you're gifted and the testimony about Christ is is confirmed among you. But I, I read that passage and I think about the rest of this book mm-hmm. and and these people were a mess. They were they were divided. They were suing each other. They were wrestling over spiritual gifts. They were tolerating sin. They were debating the resurrection. Uh, there were so many things going on uh, in this church that it, it seems to me, if I read just this part of chapter one, you would think I'm going to read the rest of this book about a glowing people who walk with God. But that's not what you see at all. Uh, you, you see these folks as a bunch of knuckleheads at times, and Paul has to chastise them. He has to challenge them. And yet he says, I, I thank my God always for you. That's just, that's just fascinating to me. And then let's just look at some other texts and look at what, what Paul says about these folks. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, when I, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I'm reading the CSB, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. Uh, I, what I want to see here is he, he calls them brothers and sisters. These are, these are his family members. He does the same thing in chapter 3, verse 1. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as, as babies in Christ. Brothers and, and sisters, which is, I, I jokingly say, Caleb, that we use brother and sister when we don't remember one another's names. And <laughs> yeah, so <that's> true. <laughs> I've, I I've see somebody at church, I have no idea what your name is, so I say, how are you doing, brother? And it sounds really spiritual, it sounds really good, but the truth is I'm just saying I don't, ha- I don't know who you are. That's not where Paul is. Paul sees these people as part of the family of God. Mm-hmm. And so I think back to that over the years, I think about all the people who invested in me and loved me long before my parents became believers. Uh, you know the story. My parents didn't become believers until very late in life. And so for me to have a Christian family meant that family had to come from the people of God. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a teenager, I, I found that as people invited me into their homes. But then as a pastor, as a 20-year-old pastor— as a, as a crazy pastor who didn't know what he was doing, God put people in my life who just, who just loved me, and they very, very much became my, my family, undergirding me, picking me up when necessary, challenging me when I needed it, helping me to think through things when I might have been impulsive, loving me in my youth, um, and I am where I am today because some folks just loved me. And they, mm. they really were my brothers and sisters. They really are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and Paul, Paul got that. Paul wanted to make sure they knew that. Mm. Well, let's go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 14 and, and 15. And here, here, Paul, again, has to confront them some. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. For you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Listen to the intimacy of that, the relationship of that. I'm your father in the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. 
This is why I've sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. Listen to that image. That's, there's just something about this that says that when God brings us together in his body, he takes people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different ethnicities, different economic levels, different academic trainings, and somehow he puts us together and you can walk in the room and know that you are with the family. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing to me. It's amazing to me as I think about it globally that I can go to folks around the world in my role with the, with the IMB, worship with people whose worship is quite different than mine, worship with people whose language is not mine, whose hymns are not in my language. I don't know what they're singing, but I know they're praising the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you just know, you just know, yes, we've just met, but you are my brother, you are my sister. And these are the, these are the people of God, even when they're, even when they're messy. And then I, then I move on to chapter 13. You know this chapter. This is the chapter that speaks so much of love. And I just want to make the same point that we know from this chapter in verse 13. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. In this, in this discussion of spiritual gifts, he brings the people back to say, no, what matters is that we, we have love. And that love dominates Paul's life, even for these, these Corinthians. And then in chapter 16, he takes us in the same direction. And he says this, and I'll just pick up in verse 13. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Whatever you do, do it in love. If you, you teach God's people, do it in love. You have to confront God's people, do it in love. You have to challenge God's people, do it in love. You have to pick people up when they fall, do it in love. You have to discipline people. You do it in love. Do everything in love. And then I go to the final part of the book, chapter 16, verse 20. Well, I'll start in verse 23. Here's his closing. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. It's, it's the most intimate closure of any of, of Paul's letters. And in essence, in essence, he comes back to say, I just want you to know this deeply personal closure. I want you to know how much I love you, mm-hmm. how much I care for you. And that's, that's really quite amazing to me when you read the rest of the book. I, I tell folks that the outline of 1 Corinthians looks like this. Chapter 1, I thank God for you. Chapter 16, I love you with all of my being. And everything in between is you all are an absolute mess. <laughs> that's, that's just the story. That's the story of this book. And yet... And yet Paul loves them, and he wants them to know that. He's chastised them, he's rebuked them, he's challenged them, but he says, my love be with you all. And here's why I think that matters. When we love God's people, one, we'll, we'll see the good of the grace of God in them. That even, even the people who sometimes drive us crazy in ministry, and we all have them in our churches, sometimes we just inherit somebody else's mess. We just, we just wind up investing in people who themselves have never been discipled, never really been taught. Sometimes they may be longer-term believers and they're still acting like baby believers. And we have to figure out how to shepherd them. Oh, we have to love them. We have to love them. And then I think about how we, how we lead churches toward, toward change. One of my fears for 
your generation and for pastors in general is we try to change churches that we haven't learned to love yet. And when you do that, people get in the way of the change. And we're called to shepherd those people. We roll over people if we try to change them without loving them. But if we love them, we'll slow down when we need to. We'll press forward when we need to. And our ultimate goal will be to to be part of God's plan for conforming people to the image of Christ. That that only happens when we when we love God's people. Any any thoughts? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot there, um, and I appreciate how you drew out that point of of how we it starts with with loving the people that God has entrusted to us that we have the privilege and the opportunity to serve. And I'm challenged with that um, with Paul's prayer in the beginning of First Corinthians. You know, like you said, you mentioned the different problems and different things that Paul had the legitimate reasons to to have against this church. But he starts with, I thank God always for you, for the grace that is at work among you. And I think that's a challenge for all of us to consider our prayer lives. Yeah. And consider, as we look at our ministry situations, um, how much are we complaining about the people or things that are going on? How much are we going to the Lord and just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm tired, I'm fed up. Uh, but Paul starts with thankfulness because he loved the people. And I think that's a challenge for me to consider you know, how, how am I praying for the people because I love them and I'm thanking God for the grace that's at work, even if there's still a lot of work that needs to be that's done. Right. That's right. Um, but it's motivated by love. And so what a just beautiful reminder for us. Yeah, I think about some people in, in my life. I think about that deacon in my first church that, that honestly Caleb could barely read, but he loved the Lord. Mm. He and I would sit and talk, and I didn't, frankly, at 20 years old, 21 years old, I didn't know much theology either, but nor did he. And so I'm pretty sure he would make up terms about theology, and I would try to figure out what he was talking about because I had much room to grow too. But, but this guy loved me as his, as his pastor. Mm. He, he stood beside me in times when nobody else did. Uh, he invited me into his home to just be myself, he and his wife, his son, uh, they became very much family to to us, and until he, his wife, later on passed away, we we were friends for for decades. That we just stayed in touch because we we weren't just pastor and parishioner; we were we were brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. Or I or I think about I think about Jim and Ruby. Jim and Ruby were were faithful prayer warriors. Faithful prayer warriors. They invited me to their house. I had been their pastor, I don't know, four or five years at the time. They invited me to their house for breakfast. I was, I was single at the time. And so I was pretty excited about going to anybody's house for breakfast because I, I just didn't eat breakfast. And I knew, I knew she was a good country cook. I was sure that we'd have bacon and eggs and sausage and gravy and biscuits and all everything mm-hmm. I was looking forward to. I got there, and they pulled out this box of cereal uh, and gave me a bowl. And we had cereal— uh, that was not even good cereal. It was not. It was healthy cereal, so it didn't taste good. So I was already let down with that. But that wasn't that. That wasn't why we were there. They invited me there to pray. Mm. So we ate just a little bit, and then they pulled out this this loof leaf, leaf notebook that was just worn out. Uh, it was just ragged, and you could a spiral bound if you remember those. You could turn the pages, and there was name after name after name after name, and pages that are just yellowed and and browned, and then there are sections where they've been highlighted, 
And we walked through those those names and those pages, and they showed me that right in the middle of this list was my name as their mm. as their wow. pastor. And every day, every day together, they get out that prayer list and walk through it. Now they're again both with the Lord, but uh, they, that was amazing to me. I left there thinking it's okay. I didn't have a big breakfast. I left there knowing that I wasn't alone in this in this task. Jim was a was a was a truck driver, an over over the road truck driver. Ruby stayed at home, and they touched heaven, and they helped me shepherd because they asked God to to guide me. I think about I think about Ed, who was a he was a train engineer, and he just loved me as his preacher boy. He loved Sunday school back when churches had Sunday school overall. Uh, which I still believe in, by the way. Maybe we can do a podcast about that at some point. He loved Sunday school. He taught me about Sunday school. He trained me how to do Sunday school. At different times where I wanted to make some adjustments, he would come and sit in my office. And here's how he would approach things, Caleb. He would say, have you thought about this? Hmm. He didn't accuse. He raised a question. Now looking back, I know exactly what he was doing. He was making a statement with a question mark on the end. Uh, but he did it in a in a kind, gentle, loving way that made me want to to listen to him. And again, I think about all of those folks. And when I think about that many people, sure, I can stop and think about this person that that wounded me, this person that I still don't understand what happened, this person who carried on ways like I've never seen, this person that I tried to minister to and and we just never connected. This person that I just I just couldn't reach, and yeah, I could look back and see, all right, that just didn't work, and and feel the woundedness of that in ministry, or I can look back and say, you know what, even messy people are God's people, mm-hmm. and now looking back, I wish, I wish I had been more grateful for the people I shepherded, and I wish I had been more obvious and open in expressing my gratitude and, and love for them. You know, as you say that, I'm reminded, uh, I've been in Psalm 23, just for circumstances coming up uh, recently, but just reminded there that David's he's expressing in the psalm that the Lord is my shepherd. And for us as well, as we think about that, um, Paul's giving thanks for God's grace that's at work in the people and the grace that is working in those small moments. Um, it's not something that we feel like we have to manufacture or that we are the ones producing, but ultimately it is a, a out of love. We, we serve, we minister, and God is at work among the people, even in our feeble, weak efforts. When we get up and we're like, that was just absolutely terrible. God could never use that. And then there's that one person that says, hey, you blessed me today. And it's just, I don't know, just for me, that just arises just thankfulness and gratefulness to the Lord. One that even in just in my weak efforts that he could use that, that he allows me to do this and that he would Mm. use me. Um, But then just to see in the many different ways that we're all equal in the kingdom of God. We're all priests and that we're all equal at the foot of the cross and that sometimes it's the grace at work in other people's lives, like you mentioned, to just bless us as we get to serve. And it just, I don't know, it just makes me thankful for the, the work of the gospel that's active in our churches, even in small, unseen ways that we can miss if we're not looking for them. Yeah, you you hit exactly where I would want to take this. I would say to pastors listening to us today, if you're if you're hurting, you're wounded, ministry's been really tough for you, 
I I get it. Shepherding the people of God is not easy. There are days where you just wonder, do I want to stay in this in this work? Is there anything else I can do? Uh, I think most of us who are pastors have been there at, at some points. But I want to say to to pastors today, if that's where you are, watch for the glimpse. You, mm. you put it this way, Caleb, the, the little things. Anybody who knows me knows that that's a big deal for me. I, I want us to, when we serve God in a chaotic world where it feels like the enemy is winning some days, and it feels like the, the church struggles more than, than it should, I want us to watch for the glimpses of what God's doing. It, it may not be that handwriting on the wall. It may not be something so obvious that everybody sees it. But it could be that one person who says, I'm, I just thank God that you're my pastor. Mm-hmm. Or that one text that says, God's answered my prayer. Or that, that person who hasn't been invested, who, who takes a step to more, to more faithfulness for the church. They just do something for God's glory. When we find those, those little glimpses, those little things, our gratitude can grow. Mm-hmm. If we're only watching for the big things, we miss the small things, and God often works in the small. So, Pastor, if that's where you are today, I, I challenge you this this Thanksgiving week to step back, to step back, take a look at your ministry, take a look at your church, take a look at the people you shepherd, and and look for the glimpses, and ask God to bring you to the place where you can say with Paul in First Corinthians one, I thank God for all of you. And then you can say with integrity with Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 16, my, my love be with you. Mm-hmm. My love be with you all. Yeah. Here at Southeastern, we know that our global Great Commission impact is only made possible by faithful ministry partners and supporters like you who share our vision for equipping students to make disciples through the local church and around the world. On Giving Tuesday, November 28th, we invite you to join us by giving to support our Great Commission efforts. To give now or to learn more about how your giving can have an eternal Great Commission impact, visit sebts.edu give. All right, listeners, again, we say to you, have a great Thanksgiving. May the Lord bless you and bless your your family. I thank you for listening to another episode of of Pastor Matters. Well, pastors, I hope that you're encouraged um, as you spend time with family, spend time with your church. What a beautiful time for us to give thanks to the Lord for all that he's done. Um, If you found this conversation helpful, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give us. Um, As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.